0: This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 99. Today we have Dr. Jane McCurley and Dr. Val Morrison, who are commissioners in the American Nurses Credentialing Center Pathway to Excellence program. We talk with them about the experiences they've had as leaders in designated Pathway Excellence organizations and what they've learned on the journey. Stay tuned.
1: Hi, Healthcare Leaders, I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Troset. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and
0: challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast.
1: We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy, healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking, the missing logic in healthcare to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money and resources on fixes that fail.
0: If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here.
1: Hi, this is Michelle. And Tracy. And we are back. back. We are back. We are back. Yeah, here we are. Okay. And we're glad that you're here because we have a great interview for you today
0: yes yes what a great what a great couple of ladies and leaders right
1: yeah absolutely yeah absolutely yeah
0: it was just um it was such a pleasure to chat with them and to learn so much right about the, um, the pathway to excellence and and uh, they've they've been at this for a long time so they've've they've had a lot of knowledge and wisdom around what this takes
1: yeah, they sure do. And, you know, it's one of those things, Tracy, where you you hear about a program, like I've heard about Pathway to Excellence over the years, you know, you see it in an article or you just, you know, see a webinar come across on it. But I think to your point, what I really appreciate is because of their history with it, like deep history, and now their leadership roles with ANCC as commissioners there was just such depth and, and great examples that our listeners are going to hear today too of what it really looks like when you bring this to fruition. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, I think so too. And I think the other thing too is just that, you know, as a respiratory therapist, you hear about these things and that's a nursing thing, right? It's a nursing thing, but they really had some great examples of how, you know, it supports interprofessional care and collaboration. And so that was really good to hear too.
1: Yeah, that was. So if you're curious to you know find out who our guests were, we're gonna tell you right now. So we had Dr. Jane McCurley and we had Dr. Valerie Morrison on our show today. And I'm gonna introduce Jane and Tracy's gonna introduce Val and then we're off and running. All right, so Dr. Jane McCurley is currently serving as the Chief Nurse Executive for Methodist Healthcare System in San Antonio, Texas. I love San Antonio. Got to get back to that river walk someday. Mm-hmm. And there, Jane oversees nursing practice and operations throughout the division. Dr. McCurley joined HCA as a CNO in 2003 and has served as CNO at the Las Colinas, the North Hills, St. David's, North Austin, Methodist Hospital, and Methodist Children's, and also served as the VP and Assistant Chief Nurse exec- Executive at the corporate level. Dr. McCurley was instrumental in advancing organizations to unprecedented levels of clinical success and national recognition. She serves as the president of the Texas Organization of Nurse Leadership, T-O-N-L, and she is the 2014 recipient of that organization's Excellence in Nursing Leadership Award. Dr. McCurley became a commissioner on the pathway to excellence with the ANCC in 2018. She currently serves on the AONL Political Action Committee. She was co-lead for the Central West Texas Team Future of Nursing Campaign for Action. Dr. McCurley is board certified in nursing executive advanced by the American Nurse Credentialing Center. She's certified in executive nursing practice by the American Organization of Nurse Executives and a certified patient experience professional. And she is a fellow of the American Organization for Nursing Leadership and the American College of Healthcare Executives. Wow.
2: Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's hear about Dr. Valerie Morrison. Now she hails from the Sunshine State growing up in Acala, Florida. She attended the University of North Florida, where she received a Bachelor of Science in Nursing and her commission as an ensign in the United States Navy Nurse Corps in 1991. She also holds a Master of Science in Management from the Naval Postgraduate School and a doctorate in Business Administration from North Central University. Dr. Morrison retired in August 2020 from the U.S. Navy as a captain, serving 30 years and six months on active duty. In her distinguished career, she served in a variety of clinical and leadership positions to include chief nursing officer of Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, where she led a team of over 12,000 or 1,200, excuse me, (laughs) 1,200 nurses to the historical achievement as the first Department of Defense Medical Center to attain the American Nurses Credentialing Center Pathway to Excellence designation. What a trailblazer. I know. She currently works as a Director for Student Health Services at the University of North Florida with oversight of a 10-room ambulatory care clinic. She is the newly appointed Chair for the Commission on Pathway to Excellence, and she is an ANCC Board Certified Advanced Nurse Executive and the Society for Human Resource Management Senior Certified Professional. She also holds certifications as an Executive and Healthcare Leadership Development Coach, to the Center for Executive Coaching. So we've got two very impressive leaders here to talk with us today, and we're excited to have you listen in. So without further ado, here's our interview.
1: Well, welcome, Jane and Val. We are so excited to have you on Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, we thought we'd start out with a key question here. Since one of the ANCC pathway standards is well-being, we thought it would be great for our listeners to hear a little bit about what you do, share one thing for your own well-being that you do as the busy leaders that you are. So um, Val, you want to go first?
2: Certainly. So well-being is very important to me. In 2012, I was actually diagnosed with a very rare cancer Called an anesthesia neuroblastoma, and uh, I have no history of cancer in my family, and so my journey um, after the surgical removal, and thankfully nine years uh, cancer free now, um, I really began to dig in on well being uh, and and what it is um, you know for for myself, uh, and so. I currently love yoga. Um, I love um, walking my new dog that we adopted recently in February. Um, I also believe in meditation practices uh, to calm my mind and to be more mindful during the day. And so I try to do one in the morning as I'm waking up and I try to do one in the afternoon. Um, I have recently set my phone to try and do um, deep breathing exercises, uh, and I'm, I'm still working on that habit. Um, another thing that I like to do is Sunday food prep. Uh, and when I do my food prep on the weekend, I know that my nutrition is going to be um, great during uh, the week. If I do not, then it's kind of hit or miss. Um, and uh, uh, the reason I brought up the health um, uh, concern that I went through or challenge that I went through is because it really did shift my mindset. Uh, and I actually uh, even changed my eating habits um, and, and became a um, a vegan um, during the that time frame so uh, there's a lot of things that go into it. I am not perfect by any means and I tell you uh, over the last couple of years uh, going into menopause has certainly um, thrown me a new chapter to work on <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I can relate to that yeah we sure can yeah. <laughs> Well what a role model thanks for sharing out those are awesome awesome. Jane, how about you?
3: So I have a um, very long standing history. I get up at four o'clock in the morning and, you know, I spend a little time uh, in prayer uh, and then I work out before I come to work. So it gives me the energy and the, you know, kind of fixes your attitude for the day, so to speak, um, when you when you kind of clear your mind and, and just um, and work out. so I work out pretty much six days a week. Um, and obviously, my spiritual well being is is critically important to me. And so I spend you know time with my friends from church, and I spend time at church and um, that that feeds my soul as well. Wonderful.
1: Wonderful. Yeah. Tracy and I are, are both big advocates for morning rituals, because um, it makes such a difference. You're right, it just starts your day off with a whole different set of You know, energies and um, really helps you set your intention for your day. And that can make such a big difference. So thanks for sharing those. Yeah. Jane, I'm going to start out with a question for you. Um, Can you please share with our listeners why and how the ANCC Pathway to Excellence program got started? I sure can. I was very honored in
3: 2003 uh, to be a CNO at a small hospital and it, uh, the Texas Nurses Association started a program through grant funding called Texas Nurse Friendly. And it was meant to help those smaller facilities get some type of designation um, that may not be able to achieve like this, you know, magnet because of the, the resources. And so it was to help them really create an environment um, that was nurse friendly for recruitment purposes. We were a real challenge with recruitment as well. So I was a grant hospital one of the first 13 it was designated and then in 2007 ANCC was aware of the program and how great uh, it had was working in Texas and so they um, acquired the program utilizing the same standards that the Texas Association started with and then over time that has evolved um, from the 12 standards into the six standards and they really combined a lot of the standards um, and and made the six standards that we have down today.
0: Great things coming out of Texas. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) you never know where it's gonna go, right? So you start something with with great intention and then yeah, you have some success and look what happens. Wow, all across the country, that's great. We have almost
3: 200 hospitals designated as of today international, as well as within the United States. Oh, international.
0: Wonderful.
2: Yes. Painting the globe blue. (laughs) Oh, that's what you call it, huh?
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, this is for both of you. Um, So tell our listeners a little bit about your journey with the Pathway to Excellence program. I think, Jane, you spoke a little bit about that, but what it was like as a hospital leader, And then now, your journey into serving as ANCC's Pathway to Excellence programs as commissioners.
2: And, Val, why don't you start? Super. So, back in 2016, I was honored to be the Chief Nursing Officer at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. I was... um, in the, in the United States Navy uh, at the time, and um, Walter Reed is the largest uh, joint medical center within the Department of Defense. Um, as a leader, one of the first things I do when I come into a role is to really observe and listen to see, you know, what is the culture like? What is, What is the life in the day of a Walter Reed nurse? Um, and truly trying to understand that um, through walking rounds, um, through working side by side clinically in the different units, and um, a variety of modes. Um, we also every year within the military do organizational surveys um, that help us to understand the culture of those um, of the organizations that we're in. Uh, and the survey that I um, received um, that was done the year prior to I like, coming in, I, I found that the nurses were saying they lacked a voice, they didn't feel safe in their work environment. Um, they didn't feel, um, they, they felt exhausted, basically, and um, really just were not inspired to be nurses. Um, and that made me very sad because I am a nurse's nurse. I love being a nurse. I love leading nurses. I love being part of a dynamic healthcare team. And I love patient care. I, I truly think that it is an honor to be able to serve people at what can be their most vulnerable time in their life. Um, And so I I wanted that for my nurses as well. And I wanted to reinvigorate that that love of our profession. Um, And I had been exposed to the American Nurses Credentialing Center Pathway to Excellence Program through my work um, at the headquarter level with the the Navy Nurse Corps, Uh, and so naturally thought, well, this this is the journey that we need to go on. Um, Yes, I would love for us to get the designation, but even more so, the journey was what was needed in order to change that culture um, so that the nursing staff felt that, yes, they did have a voice that we could put into play structures and policies where they would be a part of the decision-making, you know, whether it's a medical device or quality assurance. um, I wanted nurses to be at that table to work side-by-side with the entire healthcare team, Um, and it was a wonderful, exciting transformation. I was um, so inspired by the nurses that I was able to lead and to work side by side with. And within my uh, tenure there, we were able to achieve um, Pathway to Excellence designation and become the first uh, military hospital within the Department of Defense to have that designation. Wow.
1: Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Impressive. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. And from there, um, there, an announcement came out from the, uh, ANA for ANCC that a chair, uh, excuse me, for a commission opportunity, commissioner opportunity on, uh, the commission for pathway to excellence. And I applied and I was selected. I don't know how many people applied that year. I, I. I'm sure there were many. Uh, In any event, I was so honored to be able to be selected and to represent um, the acute care, um, excuse me, post-acute care uh, type environments. Um, And and that that's journey has been fantastic. Jane was my preceptor helping to mentor me on the commission. So I, I love that we're here together today. Um, and uh, so inspiring. And I knew that about her working out at 430 in the morning, by the way, um, very inspiring. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I when I grow up, I want to be just like Jane. Um, And, uh, but being on the commission has been an amazing journey to, to read about the, the things that other hospitals are doing, um, nationally and globally. I mean, sometimes it just brings tears to my eyes how wonderful, um, their cultures are transitioning and trans, uh, transforming because of pathway to excellence and the standards, uh, and that professional practice environment that they're building. And then just recently, I was honored to be elected by the, the commission as their chairperson for the next two years. So that is very exciting to, to lead the team of another, you know, a group of just dynamic individuals uh, in this journey.
0: Great.
2: Jane, how about
0: you? Tell us a little bit more. So, well, you heard that I was um,
3: one of the first with Texas Friendly, um, and then I just continued that journey. Um, I believed in it so much. I believed in the standards and how it transformed my small organization. And so when I went to a larger organization, that was one of the first things that I began was to start that pathway journey. It was actually there six years. So got designated and redesignated during that time. And what it does is it brings us together um, as a team, not only nursing, but all the caregivers that, that contribute to that environment. And so it's been wonderful that I went to another hospital and did the redesignation because it was already a pathway hospital. So I was able to see that at different levels, and different so from the small facilities to a very large facility, um, to see that happen. And now, as a chief nurse executive, I have um, several of my hospitals. I have one that's actually I'm going to have to recuse myself from the commission because they're actually going to be up soon for their they're in their survey process right now. Um, and I actually had one hospital that got actually got initial designation during the pandemic.
0: Wow. So
3: with all that was going on, continued uh, that journey, and so that's been amazing. I also in 2007, when A N C C um, acquired Texas Nurse Friendly um, designation process, I became a reviewer, um, and I love reviewing because number one, it kept me familiar with the standards. So I reviewed probably four cycles a year for 10 years wow. um, and loved every minute of it again like Val said the stories that you read some of the amazing things the exemplars that you see that are done it was really hard um, not to give tons of exemplars you know, we had to be very careful and how and how we review the all of, of the standards but um, at year 10 I uh, talked to Lee uh, and said, um, I think I'd like to do something different and keep reviewing. I want to be on the commission and serve now um, as a commissioner since 2007, representing a
0: uh, nurse executive. Wow, great. You know what? It just occurred to me, there might be some people who don't even know really what the pathway to excellence is. So can one of you just kind of give a high level? And then my next question is, you talk about the journey. Tell me a little bit about like, what does that mean? Like, what is the journey when you're trying to get to Pathway to Excellence? (laughs) So whoever wants to answer.
2: I can start. Um, so, Pathway to Excellence is an American Nurses Credentialing Center designation. Uh, there are currently two. There's Magnet Designation and Pathway to Excellence Designation. And they're ver- two very uh, distinct designations. Um, Pathway really focuses in on six standards and the culture, the practice environment of um, an organization and where the nurses Work and it is uh, international. Um, So we have many uh, organizations that are, you know, designated um, throughout the world. And it also includes long term care facilities and uh, out of norm um, uh, facilities uh, such as CVS um, and their their minute clinics. Um, so we have many different nursing environments um, that are out there that uh, have have gone along this journey uh, to toward pathway to excellence. And it's uh, it's just phenomenal to to be able to see that grow.
0: What are some examples of the standards? Like what are some of the areas that I mean it's culture and practice, but are there some more specifics you offer?
2: Jane, do you want to go or?
3: Yeah, I could start. So we have uh, obviously uh, around leadership okay. and the well-being, interprofessional collaboration, nurse recognition or um, some of the, the main, and quality, of course, quality and safety of patient care that's delivered. Um, and, and under those, there's multiple um, elements of performance, so, so-called. And the one thing that's unique about Pathway different from Magnet, because Magnet's more more well-known, what I loved about Pathways to Excellence is you can have a great writer write great documents, but if your staff can't validate that that's really happening, then you've not transformed the culture, which is the intent from ANCC for our Pathways program. And I will tell you as a reviewer for 10 years, you could tell when the CNO was not involved in the process and reviewed the documents. It was very evident. And subsequently, they may struggle with the survey, right? Because it's not ingrained in the culture of the organization. So you asked the question about journey um, and Val and I both can speak with that, but you know, the journey is, is part of the fun. So you get teams involved around the different standards you set, you know, on my journey, I set up work task groups around the six standards and said, go find the examples, tell the story. And we would create a lot of fun around the stories as we found them or the exemplars and, so it's really involving all of the teams in the journey. And I, I once had a, a, um, a CEO who was not quite on board with it, but was like, okay, whatever, Jane, if that's what you want to do. And when he saw us gathered in a large room with a lot of staff to get the phone call from ANCC, and he saw the joy and excitement of our team as we were as we were designated, Pathways to Excellence organization, he was sold. He was, it was that was the ROI he needed um, for us to continue to pursue. And so, it really is a journey. But, but the and like Val said, the destination isn't doesn't have to always be designation. But as long as you're on the journey, you're doing the right things for our staff and for our patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: good
2: point. Yeah. And for, for me, within the organization at Walter Reed, I mean, I, I began just by saying to the nurses, you know, I believe that you are all excellent right now. So, this isn't because I don't believe you're not excellent already. Um, getting a designation such as this is really to showcase that excellence. Now, are there areas that we can improve on? Absolutely. All the time, because that's in healthcare. There is no hundred um, percent, because we're all human, and um, just really sharing with them my findings and validating, you know, that I. See and hear what their issues were, and um, and then trying to bring a resource to them that could help you know solve these problems. And the way that we went about it is just the same as what Jane was talking about. We created um, teams around the six standards, um, and we did an initial assessment. Um, and, and actually, I had uh, I had a couple of uh, nurses who did an initial assessment just based off of their own. Um, understandings, which was great. And, and they, you know, they came back and said, look, we're green and everything except for these two things. And I said, well, that's wonderful, but I really think we need a few more opinions on this. And it's and it's not just nursing, right? I wanted to hear from the medical side of the house, the surgical side of the house. I needed that 360 evaluation. What do you think about nursing here? And would you recommend, you know, your sister, daughter, friend, cousin to come and work in our organization as a nurse? Um, and if not, why not? Uh, and so after we did that, um, it was more like a stoplight. Uh when we got our responses back and it really highlighted the number one standard that we needed to dig into first was well being. And so that's where we started. Oh
0: mm-hmm. well, that's wonderful. I love it that you're, you know, kind of using the the data, right? Right. Yeah. Getting more yes. more perspectives. Because I think it really helps you get your finger on the pulse of what's actually experienced in the organization. Right. Yes. That's wonderful. Well, one of the things that we were kind of curious about, too, is, you know, what are the ways that the um, the Pathway to Excellence Standards really support interprofessional collaboration? I know you mentioned that was one of the standards, but how does that really come to life in these organizations? Because that's, that's our jam. We love interprofessional collaboration. So tell us a little bit more about that. Jane, you want to start this
3: time? I can. Sure.
0: So within the standards,
3: um, one of the one of the um, elements is for a nurse to tell a story about a, a, a colleague, an interprofessional colleague, and what they did to improve patient care, right? And and, and vice versa, that so they ask a, uh, one of the other colleagues, the other caregivers, to tell a story about how they collaborated with nursing to improve patient care? And so it really strengthens. The need for shared governance councils that are interprofessional, right? Because nursing can't do it alone, right? It takes, it takes a village, right? It takes all of us, you know, we'll talk a little bit later around the COVID, but that one just exemplified interprofessional collaboration because we had to. And it really strengthened the bonds. But within, within the standards for um, pathways, we want to work on interprofessional collaboration around a quality initiative as well right? And when, what do we do uh, to support improved outcomes for our patients as a team? Because it does take all of us to do that.
2: Yeah, thank you. That was great, Jane. Um, and I, I agree, you know, we, um, it really did strengthen intercollaboration collaboration uh, at Walter Reed, in my opinion. Um, you know, so First explaining to my medical and surgical colleagues and and the allied health professionals that I worked with about what Pathway uh, to Excellence was and that it wasn't, um, yes, it was a nursing uh, designation, but it was truly to change the culture uh, within the organization um, and some of the ways that we did that, we you know, we looked at our policies and processes. Um, and one example is that when we had a safety event occur, say a, a patient fall or or some other safety event, um, at the time, what I noticed, what I observed was um, I had a whole group of nurses that were invited to come to the the RM, you know, review to say, hey, what could we do better? You know, how did this happen? And I I started to, to uh, get on my soapbox, you know, with my colleagues on the uh, executive board team to say, you know, nursing can't do this by themselves. You know, we can't solve all of these safety issues. I mean, we can definitely make a dent in it, but um, we need everybody together uh, to to create those solutions. And that is how you actually bring a voice, because you then have shared governance and the decisions that are being made um, from the unit level on up. Um, And a great example is with our catheter-associated um, urinary tract infections, um, in 2016 we had like 22, and so it was a real problem at our hospital. And so um, our chief executive officer, who I just I he's an amazing man, uh, Mark Cabello, he he had us all lined up to say, let's work on that, because you really, you can't be, your strategic focus can't be all over the place. So he was like, let's work on that. Um, and so I led the team, but we had at the table, we had residents, we had uh, the the chief of urology, we had nurses, we had um, support staff, uh, infection control. I mean, we had everybody, education training at the table. And we just went through all the policies and processes of what we were doing and where we needed to move. Move. And by 2016 to 2017, we went from 22 to 12. Uh, then we went from 12 to 6. And then we went from 6 to 3. And I don't know where they're at now. But um, we were really focused on um, zero, getting to zero. And that's what it takes to really move the quality marker is to work together as a team and and everybody understanding their part in that process.
0: I just, I just have one more question. For an allied health professional leader you know, in the organization, do you have any suggestions for them for how can they really engage and really be a part of moving this through their, their departments as well um, when an organization is going for the pathway to excellence? What, what suggestions would you have
2: for them? Oh my gosh, I love this question. So there are different ways for sure that they can be involved. Um, And I'll give you a couple. Uh, For one example, um, embedded pharmacy. Uh, When you have embedded pharmacy on an inpatient unit and you're doing multidisciplinary rounds, then and you have the nursing team, you have the um, medical residents or surgical residents and the pharmacist, that's one way because you're getting the entire picture of the patient's um, medical um, issues. their input. Another way is um, food service. So, we were having a real challenge with our patients getting uh, the correct meals. And so, inviting our director for administration who oversaw the um, nutritional um, divisions um, to into the process, they were able to walk that process, you know, um, through to say, hey, and find the reasons why, you know, from the beginning to the end, it wasn't, um, working and, and also kind of walking in, in each other's footsteps. Um, you know, the nurses talking with the nutrition, nutritionists and the people who deliver the, the trays, uh, to understand, you know, if you leave it here and don't communicate, then it's, it may not get to the patient, um, and really understanding every process of the way. Um, A third example is that swapping steps as well with lab. We were having issues with um, the lab saying, you know, the, the, Um, the labels are missing, the, you know, the, the blood's not delivered on time. And then the nurses also, the nursing staff also, you know, having their complaints. So, we invited the lab to walk through the process at 530 in the morning when we draw the labs. And then we also had our nurses go down to the lab so that they could see their part of the process. And it really cleared up the uh, urban legend. I think that each one had about each other's roles, um, and allowed uh, that appreciation for each other's role and why it was important that we we follow the processes that we followed, um, and and we really did um, improve our um, our uh, lab deliveries and and the resulting of that because of of those steps. Um, so right. there there's definitely lots of ways to get them involved.
0: And
3: I would just add to that. So not only involving them in teams, we all all do multidisciplinary rounds. But one of the things that we did at one of the pathway organizations is that with our new residents, uh, part of their orientation is they have to choose a um, department that supports them and they have to go spend time in that department. And it has it improved the relationships and the collaboration like you couldn't believe. It's wonderful. We still do that today.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great idea, and there's such power in just shadowing and walking in, in someone else's footprints, and because um, yeah, you just make a, assumptions, right?
2: Yes.
3: For the <laughs> ER nurse, for the ER nurse and the lab, it's amazing because as an old ER nurse, we blame the lab for everything, and this <laughs> changed your changed your whole outlook on how you look at at those that support you, and it works really well you know, again, radiology therapy if on the ortho floor, they go to therapy and work with the therapist. And so it just depends on what unit that they're on, but it really is very successful.
1: Well, and you're in the process, you're building relationships, healthy relationships. And um, that's so important because that's, that's hugely impacts culture, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, another question for you too, you know, Tracy and I, we work uh, with healthcare leaders and healthcare organizations to combat burnout and uh, so we are thrilled that ANCC has a standard that really supports well-being so we want to shine a spotlight on that cuz it's we think it's just fabulous and we were wondering if you could just share a couple of examples of how you've seen organizations meet that standard Sure. you know again
3: we want it to bubble up from the from the staff right and so there so many, again, because I was a reviewer, so I got to, to see a lot of great examples throughout the years, but, you know, building um, nutrition programs. So in the cafeteria, they have, you know, how many calories on everything and, and they have an app that you can do and um, have, tie that to a weight loss program, right? So you get points and you get gifts if you are in this program and you lose weight or you get healthier. Uh, walking, they have, you know, walking events so that we're trying to build a healthy environment. One brought um, Zumba to uh, uh, several times for different shifts, right? And so they had a little classroom that was paid for. It. Uh, some opened a gym. Mm-hmm. Some did things um, around um, child care events, right? So that you could have a Saturday morning because you just worked, you know, four 12-hour shifts and, hey, take a Saturday morning and go do something for yourself. Um, some, definitely some things around uh, spiritual well-being, psychological well-being, through, either, through through our chaplaincies, through our chapels. And um, so really, it, the more innovative and creative, the more fun it is for us to see that on the back end. Um, and now as commissioners, but there's, there's no end to what can be done around that well-being standard. Um, the intent is that it's for all shifts. Right. Mm-hmm. On and off duty. So not only providing something while you're working like many had meditation rooms that had the, you know, the getaway with the, you know, it's got the massage chair and it's got the soft music and it's got the little waterfalls. And so they have a, a restful room, a peace room, kind of done after the plant tree model. Um, they can do that, but you have to do something for them on the, on the off hours too. So what are those programs
2: that can be done
3: while you're working and when you're not working?
2: Yeah, I love all of those examples, Jane, and um, those are those are wonderful things that um, we can meet the staff at their where they are at. Um, and I love that you point out um, making sure that we don't forget our colleagues on the night shift, um, uh, because I know that that's definitely um, something that. You, you know, in a host it, it can be heard, right? That they they feel like there nobody comes to visit us and or or watch it. You know, observe us. And um, leaders really do have to um, break out of that norm of the you know Monday through Friday and and get out there on weekends, holidays, in the evening. And because if you're not observing your staff twenty four seven, then how do you know you know what their their challenges are? Um, I think well being is also about those systemic. Uh, barriers that cause exhaustion uh, in our staff, and um, there's many of them. And uh, the electronic health record is one of the biggest ones. Um, so it's really trying to use the power of the staff to understand the workflow and to say, you know, what what do we have to do within the electronic health record? Um, how can we how can we create the workflow so that it's not a barrier to care? or that our staff is spending so much time on the electronic health record that they're not doing the things that they love to do, which is actually being with the patient um, and helping them to have that time at the bedside so that they can interact and really engage with uh, the patient um, and build that trust and relationship with the patient. Um, it's also looking at your policies and processes, um, everything for, I love that you mentioned childcare, everything from childcare to, um, how we, you know, how we support our staff and give them, um, time off, you know, the way that we staff and schedule, um, all of those things will impact, uh, somebody's stress and overwhelm and, um, and can lead to burnout.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's a both and, right? Like, you got to create resources for the individuals to take responsibility for their well being, right? And then you also have to work on the systemic pieces. So it's that individual and system kind of uh, polarity that we like to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as we kind of wrap up, we have one more question for you. And the second pathway standard is leadership, as you mentioned earlier, and we work exclusively with healthcare care leaders, um, really working with them, to helping them to strive to be thriving, resilient, well-balanced leaders, right, and their well-being, um, and we believe because they're the kingpins, the linchpin in the organization. If the leaders aren't strong, the organization's not going to be strong, and the clinicians and other individuals in the organization don't have role models for how to do this or how to be this, right, how to take care of themselves.
1: Hey, it's Michelle, and we're going to get right back to this episode, but I had to interrupt really quick and let you know the doors to our new self-study program, Caring for Others Without Neglecting You, is open for enrollment. We know, especially right now, with everything your team has been through this past year, that you want to do all you can to support them help them to recover, and be resilient, and even experience joy in their work again, and they need your support. If you are like most healthcare leaders we talk to, you may have been overwhelmed, exhausted, and stressed before the pandemic, and things aren't getting any better, they're getting worse. So it's easy to see that if you don't prioritize caring for you, you won't have anything left to give to your team. So stop neglecting you, and go over to missinglogic.com forward slash new dash events to learn more and enroll today. So um, what impact do you think COVID and pandemic has
0: had on the significance of this standard on well-being and the need for leaders and the organization to be very vigilant about personal and professional well-being?
2: And Dale, why don't you go first? All right, certainly. So the pandemic, so let me begin by saying nursing and healthcare in and of itself, it can be emotionally, psychologically, and physically challenging. Um, the hours that we work, because uh, it's 24-7, right? Um, then you layer on top of that a pandemic uh, in which um, at the beginning there may or may not have been appropriate um PPE, um, and people had to shift and, uh, nursing and other healthcare providers were feeling moral distress over, you know, not, not having the things they needed to provide, um, the care, um, that really eats at the heart of a leader and, um, the exhaustion level of just trying to, um, get the barriers out of the way to provide for their staff. Um, I just, I, it, my heart just aches uh, for the leaders having go th- gone through um, this pandemic. Um, that being said, I am totally inspired by the leaders and the healthcare teams that are out there um, on the front lines uh, and, and everywhere, you know, working with patients um, from testing all the way through the care and the ICU levels uh, with, um, with pandemic uh, and the patients who have uh, COVID um, because it has been a challenge. And I would just encourage to continue to really um, use those well-being, use your time with the, your well-being um <laughs> sorry, I'm tripping over my words, but you, <laughs> utilize, look at your, you really have to dig deep and look at your schedule. I mean, this is, it is challenging. Um, and I, I, you know, it's easy to say, you know, make sure you're getting enough sleep and make sure that you're eating correctly. Um, and I think that all of our healthcare leaders know that, but this pandemic has, has created um, a challenge that it's going to take a while for us to get that mental health back in the healthcare environment. So I guess don't think we're going to solve it overnight. Know that it's something we're going to have to look at and incorporate into our day-to-day lives for a long time following the end of this pandemic, whenever that occurs. Um, and keep striving to really provide um, for yourself in the things that you know to do um, and working with your staff to help them, you know, to have those that gosh, I hate to even use balance because it's hard to have a balanced life right now um, when you're <laughs> you're balancing work and children and um, and all the things. Um, just take it one day at a time. And and work steady toward a goal and, and utilize your healthcare team because this is definitely not a um, problem that you are going to solve on your own. It is going to take everybody working together to create the right solutions um, for the culture of your organization um, to help, you know, move us forward.
0: Thank you,
3: so Val said said it very well. Um, I'll just add, you know, from the very beginning, we realized that well-being was almost as critical to us as the, the medical needs of our patients, right? The needs of our staff and what they were going through. Um, we, we went through several um, renditions of what we were doing. And I would say as leaders, we just, we had to be present seven days a week, all shifts, because we had to support our teams as they were doing alternative models of care. they weren't used to they were being stretched beyond capacity they were housekeepers in the very beginning before we got housekeeping in the room and so we did a lot of work in the in the well-being again we had chaplains that were part of our team that that rounded with us we did fun events we still did recognition we still celebrated um you know i think a lot of things our community supported us in that when we would have the flyovers or we would have the buses or the motorcycle brigades, and they'd go by and clap for us. And our, you know, it 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 inspired us um, to continue through the difficult times. Um, but leadership had to be present, and leadership always has to be present, pandemic or not. The one thing that 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 supports our standards is that we are present and engaged with our frontline teams because we know that engaged caregivers give better patient care, better patient outcomes, which is really what we're here for. And it's really what the pathway standards are about is building a culture and environment that creates that nursing excellent culture that then enhances the care our patients receive. And so um, I think like Val said, it's been a tough journey. We've lost nurses from the profession and that's been heartbreaking. The other thing is we've got to really pay attention to our new nurses. Not only did they not get the clinical training that they needed because they were removed from the hospitals, but our new residents have seen more death in the early stages of their career than we ever did in ours. And so we've had to rethink how we take care of them. And then a really fun fact, um, we have dogs like Child Life has for kids, pets, right? And help kids get through rough times. We have dogs that our campuses, that are just for our caregivers. Right. And so they go, they make rounds in the hospital all the time. Um, they came yesterday and met all of our new residents. Right. And, um, they actually, we actually have this one dog that can pick up on emotional distress. So you nurses are strong. We can do anything and we don't even recognize our own moral distress. And this dog is able to recognize and so that we could help that care provider earlier on before they get to a point where they've burnt out. And so that has been fun. And let me tell you, there is nothing like cute little dogs to make your staff have a great day. Yeah. <laughs> All work stops and everybody goes to the dog. We did a parade one time with, and we dressed our dogs that we were doing a, a, a theme parade and we could have not been there, they just cared about the dogs <laughs> human nature, it, it brings it brings resilience, it brings joy to your heart yeah. and yeah. so uh, again, innovative and creative ways to to look at well-being for your teams a lot of comp- competition events right we're still competitive people, and so we just try to create events that that allow people to to be outside that space where it's, it's, it's hard to be.
2: And and Jane, I love that you talked about leaders having to be present um, pandemic and or, and or not. Right. Um, um, And I, and I think that we definitely cannot, you just don't assume that people are doing okay. You gotta ask the questions, um, you know. And, and your point that our new nurses and new healthcare um, uh, workers are seeing more death than they've probably seen ever—that um, is, we saw that in the military when you know when we began in you know oh three oh four with Iraq and Afghanistan and you know the injuries that we were seeing. It was unlike anything since Vietnam, um, and and you know the military is still working you know through years and years and years of uh, post traumatic stress and uh, mental health, um, and that's that's what I see happening just in in healthcare because of um, and and other. Organizations as well, frontline workers everywhere, um, because of the pandemic. So I I agree. Leaders have to be out there um, and don't assume. You have to ask the questions because people can smile on the outside, but on the inside, they're they're dying slowly. Um, and if we're not getting into e- into each other's lives um, and and really asking those questions, um, then we're not we're going to miss it.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that's the whole parallel pandemic that's happening right now with burnout in the healthcare workforce and leaders, and um, it's why we just have such a sense of urgency as we have to act now to really put our focus on it to, you know, help them and um, because it's it's here,
0: (laughs) right? Well, it's it's a sustained injury, right? Yes, sustained over time. I think that's making it, you know, um, because I think we can deal with. Traumas, we can deal with emergencies, but it's that sustained—you know—over a year. This is ongoing, continued stress and strain and trauma, and uh, and that's going to be our challenge.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: Oh, Jane and Val, you're awesome. <laughs> 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 I I just so enjoyed this interview. It's gone by so fast. And I'm so grateful for you both. I just want you to know that from the bottom of my heart, I'm grateful for your leadership. Um, I'm grateful for your ability to just articulate so clearly why programs like the Pathway to Excellence are they're, they're helpful for organizations to really take this journey. You're not doing it alone. You're you have others before you. You're surrounded by leaders that can help guide you through the process. And I'm just really grateful for to ANCC. To recommending we talk to you too, because it's been it's been great. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. I yeah, I just ditto everything Michelle said, I think uh it takes um it takes leaders like you, right? To kind of shine a light, show there is a way, show there it's okay to be innovative. It's okay to take risks, it's okay to try different things, that this isn't a cookie cutter process, right? And it looks different in every organization. I think you gave some really great examples that Um, You know, kind of send a message of hope that there are organizations out there that are embracing these standards and really moving this forward and that it is a team effort. Um, And so I really, I just really have appreciated the conversation and thank you for, for sharing it. Thank you. And thank you for highlighting our program because we really do
3: believe in it um, as commissioners, of course, uh, but also as as recipients of the designation. We we love the program and we love to share it with others.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. So I think that's a
0: wrap for this session and uh, we'll see our here and listeners will hear us <laughs> in the near future on another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. So take care, everybody. Stay safe and stay healthy. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks as always for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. You can find show notes and links at our website, missinglogic.com forward slash new dash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions at the end of the show notes. We'd also love to hear and answer your questions. So if you have some questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com and we may include your question in a future episode.